0: Hey, welcome to the Default Live Podcast. I'm Corey. And I'm Chris. And this is our audio documentary of our journeys building profitable internet businesses. And so if this is your first time listening, you can learn more about us and get up to speed by starting at episode number one. But if you're a regular, welcome back. All right. Chris, episode number one. How are you doing?
1: All right, I'm doing well. How are you doing, Corey?
0: I'm doing good. Um, I'm excited to do this podcast Excited to talk about it yeah this episode will obviously be a little bit different because we've got to do the intro stuff and talk to people about why we're doing this podcast and what it is Um, but uh, like we just talked about we can probably just talk about the format a little bit introduce ourselves concept for the podcast what people can expect and then um, probably roll into I guess like our first kind of regular update right
1: yeah yeah I think that sounds great
0: cool um, I know we had talked before, but I mean, for for the listeners, essentially, our our kind of idea for each episode is keep it super loose, unstructured, kind of conversational. It's essentially just our weekly updates, um, our audio documentary, if you will. Um, just kind of touching on what's new, what's on our minds. Um, we're not going to keep it. I don't think we're going to make it any more kind of structured than that. Uh, we don't really have a time limit either. I guess we're going to try to keep it as short as possible or as, um, um, I guess like concise as possible, but won't really put like a time limit on it. It could be, I don't know. I'm expecting anywhere from 20 minutes to an hour, depending on how good the conversation is and how much is new or how much is in our (laughs) mind. Um, yeah. So yeah. Am I I missing anything around like the format, the podcast, what people can expect?
1: No, I, I think that covers it pretty well. We, we also talked about trying to, Put an episode out every week uh so that's kind of the cadence that we're looking for and uh, yeah
0: cool yeah i'm super stoked i i feel like it's good even just for me for that kind of weekly cadence uh just to kind of like reflect and also have some accountability as well because you like think more about what did i do and what's coming up next and uh you know we had been talking um every other week before just kind of like checking in for an hour or two and updating each other so um I think the weekly cadence will be will be fun. Um why don't we give a little bit of background to ourselves like super briefly? You want to kick it off and just tell everyone kind of like the you know couple minute version of um how you got to where you are today and who you are.
1: Sure, definitely. Uh so I'm Chris. I am the founder of jetboost.io. Uh, JetBoost provides no-code add-ons for a tool—a tool called Webflow. Uh, so, if you're not familiar with Webflow, it is a visual website builder. Uh, it has its own built-in CMS, and it's extremely powerful. They're kind of leading the the uh, no-code movement right now. Uh, so, uh, Webflow has been around for—I want to say—since 2013 is when it first started. Uh, JetBoost was launched just last year in October of 2019, and it actually all began because I was helping you out with a project <laughs> and uh, basically wrote some code for you to add some features to a website that you built using Webflow. Uh, it was a it was a job board that you built using Webflow and. Um, yeah, helped you build the the real-time search for that and that eventually turned into JetBoost. Uh, so now i'm providing a whole suite of different add-ons for webflow uh, that people are able to add without any custom code whatsoever
0: yeah and you've been doing it for full time now since march right so it's been about seven months six months am i doing my no five months e...
1: uh, yes so yeah since March uh, prior to that I was doing just c- consulting work on my own um, I tended to work with early stage companies startups uh, typically companies that were either working on their MVP or were just post launch uh, so helping them build the early versions of their products and you know using that experience has has helped me a lot in developing jetBoost and and uh, yeah, since March, I've been full-time on it. Haven't done any consulting and it's been, it's been a whole lot of fun. Yeah.
0: Right in the middle of a pandemic too.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. Interesting time to, to leave that.
0: (laughs) I know. I think we've got a kind of interesting concept here. Two guys starting businesses in the middle of a pandemic. Are we dumb? Are we brave? Who knows? We'll find out. (laughs) Uh, I I just, I just realized it. I'm I know you had uh, a couple of other like projects that you were like working on before Jetboost, like there was Aspiry. Where What other um, like things, you know, did you, did you try out or how many?
1: Yeah, uh, I mean, over the last probably 10 years, I've tried a, a few different side projects uh, while mainly while I was working full time uh, for a few different companies and and startups. But really, in the last two years, I started getting serious about it. That's when I switched to consulting work, uh, which really helped as far as just learning like, general, uh, you know, business skills, how do I start? How do I form an LLC? How do I deal with taxes, Uh, kind of that (laughs) those baseline skills uh, that it's nice to have those now and not have to worry about those while learning how to now run a SaaS product. Um because that's a it's got a whole another set of challenges, but there's still those baseline general business skills that you need uh whether you're you're running a service business like consulting or a SaaS product um like Jetboost.
0: Mhm. Yeah. Yeah, true. I remember you. So me about that
1: yeah, and, and uh, you mentioned Aspiree, that was a uh, product that I launched uh, last year prior to Jetboost, and I'd done one other uh, product prior to that as well. And neither of those really had the the traction that I was looking for. Um, they were more, I would say, consumer-focused. Uh, Aspiree was aimed at helping people with like their their goals and their habits and goal tracking and i think that's a place where a lot of people start with when they're first developing products mm. because it's like you're probably struggling with your own habits and your own goals if if you're just getting things off the ground uh, Yeah. but it was pretty apparent quickly uh that that wasn't going to go anywhere uh just based on the very low number of signups and interest and uh you were kind enough to try it out as a paying customer in the beginning, <laughs> which was, which was great. Uh, but yeah, it, it just, JetBoost was very different in that just putting up the landing page, uh, people started signing up for the early access list. They were kind of finding it organically without me even really knowing how at the time. Uh, so, you know, I think that was a strong signal, like this is the idea that I should focus on. And, and that's what I've been doing since.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. It's been a wild ride so far. And um, so yeah, it, it's funny, I, God, I, I always keep forgetting how our, our kind of stories are uh, intertwined a little bit, you know, with with JetBoost coming <laughs> yeah. from my own Webflow site. So uh, kind of segues nicely into my story, but um, to zoom out a little bit, I won't go too far back, but I, I guess I kind of like caught the entrepreneur itch when I was about 18, 19, um, used to want to go down the kind of corporate ladder road and, um, you know, just, I don't know, live a normal life, quote unquote, I guess. Uh, And then my eyes were open to the world of business and becoming a business owner and being an entrepreneur and creating things and selling things. And um, so I've dabbled here and there, started working full-time on uh, at startups about, four years ago um and now just the last kind of like gosh i guess it's like last two years maybe last year ish uh but we like trying to get my ad bats in so the i guess the the kind of parlay the first one was i actually had a newsletter for a while it's called the tldr on SaaS marketing <laughs> and i was just like curating kind sure. of the best stuff out there because i was uh like really hungry to learn about it. And I was just getting into the world of marketing. And so um, it, I did it for about a year and I published every week and I only got up to 200 subscribers and then I shut it down. Um, right around that same point when I shut it down was when I was working at, I was working at Bear metrics and I was talking with a customer who had reached out and said, Hey, I want to hire someone like you or do I post a job for it? Um, and I was like, I was wanting to get some insights from him as a previous customer, and so I was like, "Hey, why don't we hop on the phone and swap ideas, and we can trade notes?" And uh, essentially, from that conversation, um, I was like, "Yeah, I don't, I don't know exactly like where, you know, you could post it on like remote job boards, or I guess just like post it on Twitter and stuff, or and link, LinkedIn. as like the main ones." But uh, he was like, "Man, if I had an ex, some extra time, I would just spin up a job board just for marketers myself." And I was like. You know what i'm gonna do that give me give me a couple of weeks and i'll get back to you and so um and then so right then actually i think that maybe like the day before it was all very kind of serendipitous but ben Tossel, i was an early customer of his for Nuco, which is essentially the first kind of version of what became makerpad and so he mm-hmm. relaunched makerpad and then like issued a new membership and then i dug in i was like oh i could use makerpad to figure out how to do this and so learned webflow spun up a no-code job board uh, in three weekends, came back to them, got my first customer, um, launched, and then essentially left it alone for a long time. And I did a a decent amount of revenue for a while. And then I launched two courses. I did uh, mental muscle marketing and then refactoring growth. And then most recently, and uh, where my focus is now mostly is on swipe files, which is a membership site for marketers and entrepreneurs looking for marketing examples and it has like t- detailed teardowns of what makes them great kind of explanations it that's kind of like the the go to market I'll you know be sharing a lot more about future plans and more stuff for it but I guess that's my story in a nutshell and hey marketers the job board was how we got connected and or wasn't how we got connected but it's how JetBoost was born essentially so people know kind of how those stories are intertwined
1: yeah yeah i owe you a lot
0: (laughs) (laughs) i owe you a lot well you know what's funny was i always forget about how um i guess the the interest has died down a little bit organically from but when i first launched hey marketers i you know did a couple guest posts on some bigger blogs and then i was you know talking about it on twitter and and whatnot and so many people i think it was also like i was a little bit riding kind of the no code wave but i think it was a little bit Mm -hmm. getting a little bit bigger makerpad was just getting off the ground but man, so many people DM me on Twitter, like, Hey, I'm, I'm building a job board too. Like loved your article. And you know, how'd you do this? And how'd you do that? And then eventually, you know, it was like, Hey, how'd you make that custom like search box and the filtering. And then I would just like siphon them off to you and be like, Oh, sorry. That's like the one bit of code on the site. Let me, you know, let me tell Chris and see if maybe he can do that same thing for you. I don't know how it works at all. I'm non-technical obviously. So I was like maybe you can put some magic on your site and uh yeah but but i agree seeing that kind of organic traction was just like super evident right off the bat
1: Mm -hmm. yeah
0: all right so those are our stories that's us obviously you'll get to know us a lot better as you listen on but before we get into updates um i want to talk about the concept of the show a little bit so default alive um what it means to be default alive. Uh, we talked about it, you know, okay, what are we gonna name it? What are a couple of concepts? Um, this is one of the ones that I felt like was pretty cool because essentially kind of goes back to Paul Graham and one of his all time great essays, which he has a lot, but uh, it's called Default Alive or Default Dead. And he essentially talks about um, like the two stages of a startup. And so default alive is when the startup's on track to make it to profitability or if they're already profitable. And essentially have kind of infinite runway, whereas default dead is where they don't have enough cash to reach profitability, or they are not profitable and increasingly, uh, you know, have a, a finite runway, right? A kind of end date where you would run out of money essentially. So our idea is to build internet businesses that are default alive from day one, hopefully, and uh, and focus on profitability and stuff. But uh, that's that's the concept.
1: Yeah, I think, uh, you know, since we decided to name the, the podcast Default Alive, I've been I've obviously reread the the Paul Graham article, and I've been thinking about the concept a lot. And uh, one thing that wasn't clear to me before doing Jetboost that is probably more clear now is I think you can actually fluctuate between the two phases. Hmm. Uh, so I, I tend to always think of it as, you know, you start default dead, and then hopefully one day you eventually reach default alive. Uh, but what I've noticed with Jetboost is, uh, you know, it, it followed the path uh, where it's it's getting closer and closer profitability. But the profitability is, is kind of a fuzzy gray area. Mm. It's not as black and white as I thought it'd be because it depends on, you know, right now Jetboost is a one person business, just myself. Okay, well, how much do I want to pay myself? Mm. That affects the profitability of the business. Do I want to, what happens if I hire one or two people? Obviously that's going to uh, lower the profitability for the you know, the immediate future, but hopefully over time it, it will grow. Um, so yeah, it's, I, I think it's not as black and white as I uh, originally thought it might be before starting a business. Mm.
0: Yeah, it's very true. I I think so. Actually I, I really cling to the concept because um I think I don't think it matters if you're, you know, bootstrapped, fun strapped, if you're on the VC route, like all, mm-hmm. all the types of businesses and kind of like ways that you can get to some sort of like sustainability, right? If I go, this is a real business and it's valuable and it's providing. Um, yeah, that is interesting. I mean, I, I feel like the thought, you know, obviously in the article, he talks about like, well, if you default alive, then you have a lot more options, right? But also default alive doesn't necessarily mean profitable. It just means that you have like the track to profitability or that you have the option to be profitable, essentially, um, like you, you can expect right. to be. Um, and, and that's interesting. And I think especially like kind of the way that we're doing it, we're kind of, I mean, we're very much like bootstrapping it and so uh, like you said it's it's very much like in our hands if we want to be default alive default dead i i would say swipe files right now is very much default dead like i could not survive off of it and my options would be very limited um and so yeah the the, the goal now is to be default alive uh i don't plan on taking any funding for it and depending on like the cash flow situation it's going to fluctuate probably just like it is with jet boost but um yeah it is interesting i uh jordan gall from um bootstrap web podcast he's the founder of card he's he's talked about that before how their strategy is like okay every time we get like we get profitable and then like a little bit more then we like hire someone or like you know start some new project and then kind of like dip right under profitability a little bit and then the goal is to grow and then get right above profitability again and like just basically having enough to reinvest in the business and it's a interesting concept.
1: Yeah, I I like that strategy a lot. Uh, I think as a as someone who tends to prefer the bootstrapping way, uh, you know, I'm a little more conservative as far as uh, hiring and uh, like you said, focusing on profitability. So I I do like the idea of like first reaching a certain uh, profitability number and then Thinking about, you know, hiring and adding people and, and dipping a little bit under that mm-hmm. uh, for a while. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. In fact, there, there's probably, um, uh, who was it? I'm just going to name drop a whole bunch of podcasts right now, but uh, <laughs> Michelle Hansen, I believe that's how I pronounce her name from um, Geocodio. She was posting on Twitter the other day and she said, you know, what does bootstrapped mean to you versus customer mm-hmm. funded or, you know, she was naming kind of a, a couple different terms. And my, my two cents, I don't, I'm not saying this is right or wrong, but, uh, Or oh, she was talking about indie as well. Like what does it mean to like be an independent software business, I guess, or independent online business. And they're all kind of di- these different paths to default live, which is like you have self-funded, you could use like your savings or, I don't know, a credit card to kind of like find your way or like survive until you are default live and you have money to uh, pay your bills, right? It's bootstrapped which i would kind of equate to like customer funded um but even that's a little bit fuzzy and i'm not super like married to that idea we have like fund strapped which is kind of rob welling customer.io guys um calling Nettercorn. uh like you know they took non-vc money and increasingly i'm not really sure like the definition of that because now there's equity there's profit sharing there's revenue uh uh revenue what's it called um And then you have like debt even, and so revenue financing, right. Revenue based financing. Um, yeah. And then there's like another one, which is like, Oh, what if you're, uh, Brian castle from bootstrap web, one of the other co-hosts. And he's basically, he has been using profits from one of his other businesses to keep alive, to stay default alive. I don't know if that counts as one of those, you know, self-funded, bootstrapped, fundstrap, something, you know, but, and then there's the VC route, right? Just raise money, um, enough to get to the next milestone, raise more money. Um, and maybe eventually reach profitability, maybe not, and just keep growing until you get acquired or IPO, but there's all these different types of paths. <laughs> it's kind of choose your own adventure.
1: Yeah. I think all of those paths, they're all trying to achieve this, the same thing, which is, Getting the business to the point where it is profitable, and whether your funds come from, uh, you know, like you said, your your own personal credit cards, or a uh, you know a, a venture capital firm, or an angel investor, uh, or just your you know early customers, or doing pre-sales, or whatever it is, they all have the same goal, which is to to provide some money upfront that will last you until the business has grown enough where you can solely live off of uh the the profits of the business so i don't know if i'm super strongly opinionated other than to me there's a there's a clear distinction between like raising venture capital the expectations of uh building a a large business that captures a a very large part of the the market um Versus these other ones that uh, maybe don't have that expectation. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, yeah. But like you said, they all the goal is always to be default alive and to have the the options, the runway, um, the profitability. Those are the types of businesses that we're interested uh, in building. Very, I guess, like increasingly not a strange concept, but not too long ago it was a strange concept to focus on profits yeah. and uh, reinvesting into the business. But that's kind of our world. That's what we're interested in. Um. Cool. Well, hopefully, I mean, I, I think maybe it'll be a little bit more clear even for us what the whole name means to us and maybe it'll take on more meaning over time as well. But that's who we are. That's what we're here to mm-hmm. talk about. Um, you want to roll into some updates?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that sounds great.
0: Cool. Well, take it away, my friend.
1: All right. And I think we discussed before we kind of want to follow this format of, uh, what's new and what's on your mind. Am I correct with that?
0: Yeah, I think, I mean, so we've, we've awesome. talked about a couple different um, formats. It could totally change over time, who knows? But I feel like yeah. w- what we're trying to do is have a, just enough structure to have like, you know, something to prepare for every week without making it too rigid that we're just kind of like reading off bullet points.
1: Yeah, perfect. Yeah, so what's new for Jetboost? Uh I thought I'd maybe give, since this is the first one, just a kind of quick recap of uh, the last month and and where things are at. So myself, as the, uh, the sole founder of the business and and someone who is on the technical side and and the product side, it's easiest for me to focus on you know building new features, um, doing customer support, things like that, and. Uh, marketing tends to fall by the wayside for me. So last month was actually quite interesting because it was probably the first month uh, in the history of the business where I spent most of the time on marketing. Mm. And that was brought about because uh, Webflow hosted a virtual event last month. They put on this awesome virtual conference. Uh, It was eight different days and uh, Jetboost uh, was a sponsor of the conference, and I was able to speak at seven of the, the eight events, uh, talking about how companies have benefited from using JetBoost with Webflow. And it was it was so much fun. And uh, yeah, it really forced me to think, okay, a lot of new people are going to be learning about JetBoost, I should probably, you know, update the website for the first time in six months. <laughs> so I did a lot of work there as far as building out what was a very MVP-ish uh, website and landing page, um, trying to, to add some more clarity there and additional content. Um, and now, yeah, this month I, I'm really getting back into the product development side of things. So uh, there are currently three different add-ons uh, that are sold through Jetboost, and I'm looking to build out a fourth Uh, that one will be coming in a couple of weeks and uh, building out just a few little features inside of the product as well. Uh, I added uh, a small UX improvement last week for navigating around the app a little bit faster and um, yeah, just trying to, to build small little things that customers have requested that you know, wouldn't take a lot of time to do, but can greatly improve the experience for people. Mm.
0: That that's been your thought, like getting back into the product after focusing on marketing for a while has been get some quick wins, do some small things, and then work on kind of the next big, I guess, and it's, it's not huge, but like, you know, work on a new thing, like a new product after that.
1: Yeah, that's, that's really a great summary of uh, my thinking about it, because it is sometimes there's that that context, switch, uh, you know, after you've been away from the product for a while to, to get a couple easy wins is, is pretty nice. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. I've always, I mean, I've always found the whole like jet boost, um, opportunity and model, like pretty interesting. And I think like unique because like I said, you, I mean, I, it's, it's, really cool that you were just able to step away from the product for a month. And then you essentially have three products that are, open and available for anyone to sign up to. And obviously that did happen um, in August. And so then kind of jumping back in, uh, I don't know. But like, are, are you thinking like, uh, oh, I'm just kind of curious, like, what was it like focusing on marketing for a while and not doing the product? Was it, did it feel weird? Was it? Uh, was it refreshing? Was it good? Was it uncomfortable?
1: Yeah, that's a great question. It was fairly uncomfortable for me. (laughs) Um, It, in some senses, it felt like everything was kind of put on halt uh, because I'm always thinking about the product. I'm always thinking about how I can improve it, how I can add new features that, you know, the customers can use to, to build more, uh, to, to have more functionality to build with on top of Webflow. And so to kind of have to in some senses, put that on the back burner for a while. Uh, you know, I felt like uh, I'm almost like letting people down. It's, it's kind of, it's, it's weird. Uh, but I, I always want to be continuing to push out new features, uh, push the envelope as to, to what is possible. Uh, so definitely happy to be able to get back into more of the, the product development this month.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting. I, I won't um. I won't get into to my updates yet, but I'm uh, just gonna say it. It is interesting with that context switch and moving back and forth between product and marketing. Because I was just thinking, I was like, oh, I don't know if I, I think I I have a similar problem with swipe files, but, but the lines are are like pretty blurry. It's a little bit interesting running like a, a membership site where most of the I guess like the product is, the content. And it's also the marketing because that's what i'm like pushing out to new folks and what's driving kind of interest again um
1: but yeah any, anyways yeah i think they're no i think they're actually similar in that regard because most of the marketing for JetBoost um you know outside of these kind of one-off events has been new products so when, whenever i do a new product launch uh that tends to be the uh, the biggest spike in traffic and new signups. And, uh, you know, I know it's similar for you with swipe files where when you put out new content, that's probably your, your best marketing channel right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. hundred
0: percent. I, I know you've kicked around a couple of other marketing ideas. Um, do you have plans to do, I mean, are you, are you going to like kind of go back to those at some point? Or are you kind of putting them on the back burner for a while? Um, but like, you know, those things that could be marketing besides just the product updates?
1: Yeah, definitely want to experiment with some other marketing channels. Uh, it's been interesting because in the last few months, the number of new signups for JetBoost has been pretty much flat. Uh, so each month there's about the same number of new people are trying it out. Uh, which is which is good that there's still you know a new batch of people every month and a percentage of those convert. Uh, but it also means that I haven't really found a marketing channel that I've been able to grow yet uh, just by virtue of there not being, you know the number of of new signups is not increasing. Mm and so i think you know some some ideas that have been thrown around uh but talking with with people about have been you know maybe there's a way a, a lot of these uh, kind of widget plug-in type companies provide a version of it that has a powered by link so you can imagine adding the jet Boost search to your site and maybe at a discount or even a free plan of uh, where it just links back to the Jetboost website. Hmm. Uh, that's been an option. And I, the one that I really want to try, and I know I'm underestimating the work because that's what I've heard from everyone, <laughs> is that <laughs> but uh, is a, is a either a referral program or an affiliate program? Uh, I, th- I think either of those could work really well. Uh, Jetboost is I, the reason I like the affiliate idea is because there are many Webflow freelancers that use Jetboost they have to sometimes sell their client on paying for, you know, another subscription service. And so me to me it's kind of a natural fit that if they're doing the work of selling their client on using the service, you know, why shouldn't they see a percentage of that revenue and I think it could also motivate them to uh, to do that versus using uh, other competing solutions. Hmm. So yeah, that's kind of what I've been thinking about from the different marketing channels.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a big one. Me being the marketing guy, I've always, you know, I've thrown a bazillion ideas at you, but uh, yeah, yeah, that is interesting. It's it's funny, like I mean, you're you're in the midst of it, so you know. But I was just thinking about how it is hard feeling like uh, I don't, you know, like not having like control over a marketing channel, you know, like the signups show up mm-hmm. and uh, to a certain degree, you have a good amount of brand now and um, people finding you through Google search or through the Webflow forums or, you know, whatever other kind of places you've made your mark or, or showed up, but it is totally frustrating. I mean, I would know it's a marketer too, like not being able to completely like okay, let's just scale this up or like, here's something that's working. Let's just dump gasoline on the fire. I think it's uh, I mean, it's also not uncommon. I mean, I, that's probably how the vast majority of people feel. So
1: not alone. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is, that's definitely one of the challenges right now. Yeah.
0: Cool. Any Anything else on your mind or any, uh, any, anything else new?
1: No, I think, yeah, that, covers it pretty well.
0: Cool. Well, I have a few updates. Um, I'm all over the place. And that's one of the things that I'm trying to work on now. Uh, building a real business is focusing and being able to like you know, do one thing well that, uh, you know, gets me to where I want to get to and be able to stand in myself independently. But for now, I'm still in the <laughs> I'm still all over the place. I'm still working on a whole bunch of different things um, all, all towards the same goal, though, now. So uh, I'll run a couple different ideas by you, but, um, the first, like probably bigger update is not related to swipe files, but it's related to the courses. So I launched, um, mental models for marketing last December. I worked on it from November, November, to December, and then I didn't touch it. And I started working on refactoring growth, which is the second course. And then I worked on that from December to through January and then launched that. And then i didn't touch them and then i started working on swipe files and so uh both the launches were really successful i was really helpful uh, happy with them people were really happy i think i've only ever refunded one person uh it wasn't because they weren't happy with it, it was just because financial situations um so i basically haven't touched it and i've i felt super guilty because i've been like oh there's so much more like opportunity here and i should be doing more and i i, I had this big long list of ideas of here's more content I can add, here's marketing things I can do, but I just haven't done anything about it. Um, one, I think because I wasn't really sure what to do or, or what would be like the best use of my time. Um, two, I also just got distracted. Uh, now, why Files has been a great distraction and now it's kind of my my main thing. Um, but I just revisit it because uh, it's funny, so I'm using Rome now mostly I've switched between so many different tools was he's all about notion. I still am, I think for more like collaboration stuff, but, uh, Rome has been like my go-to personally now. And so I went back and looked and I was like, Hey, when did I first have this idea? So on July 20, July, yeah, July 24th. So about a month ago, I had an idea. I was like, Oh, what if I moved the courses from like an evergreen sales model where anyone can sign up and buy anytime to more of an open, closed enrollment. Model where I would open it up, you know, once a quarter, for example, and then close it, you know, do some marketing, build out the list again, and then send out, you know, a bunch of emails for a week. Open it up, so kind of working more like a cohort basis um, instead of just anyone at any time, um, because I have the list. So when I first launched, I had about 300 people on each email list for each course. Since then, they've both grown up to about 700. Um, and they've each only made about, uh, you know, a couple hundred, like low, you know, a couple hundred bucks a month. So I was like, Oh, what can I do with this? So anyways, I first had the thought July 24th, then I started working on it pretty seriously because I did some more research into it. And I was like, I actually think this probably works better for me working on it more passively and that I don't have to feel like guilty about it and not doing things, not driving people to the site. And and instead I can kind of make a big ruckus every three months and, um, be more intentional about it. So anyways, I started moving. I made the announcement, sent a bunch of emails, started kind of the drip sequence uh, about two weeks ago. And um, Sunday night um, on September 6th, uh, the enrollment closed. I did the final emails and I ended up getting uh, over $14,000 in sales, which kind of like blew my mind. Yeah. Because
1: that's awesome. I was like,
0: wow, this is like, it's not very many emails. Like I don't have a huge list. I didn't run any, any ads. I've just been talking about it on Twitter and then sending emails. Um, so my my original goal was to get 5,000. And I was like, oh, it would be really nice if I could double that to get 10,000. So 14,400, I was yeah. like, wow, this is crazy. Um, and threw in a bunch of bonuses, you know, uh, tried to incentivize people to take action now as far as like, you know, as, as part of this move that they would, you know, it's not like I'm taking something away from them. I'm also like putting in a bunch of new stuff too. Um, mm-hmm. so yeah, so super happy with that. I'm just gonna try to stock it all away in savings and, and pad that for a later day. Um, but so now I need to kind of deliver on the bonuses. So, uh, basically I threw in like a free strategy session with me to kind of like vent and or brainstorm, um, uh, threw in a swipe files membership as well. Um, and then I'm also going to create like a little private community space for course customers to chat about the content, ask questions, connect with each other. Um, And so now I need to start doing that and uh, started that process yesterday. But there's a lot to do there with the limited hours of the night that I have. Um, And it's a little bit more work than I thought, especially the community side of things. It's like a little bit scary, Um, but I'm hoping that it'll parlay and kind of segue into swipe files and kind of what i'll be talking about there but anyways but one of the things i was thinking about kind of been on my mind from this was i just shared the number and we've talked about transparency before and kind of our thoughts about how useful is it um it got me thinking about because i don't have any problem sharing like this number now i think because it was like a relatively one-time event um
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I I've definitely changed my, my tune about transparency in the past. I think it used to make a lot of sense cause it was very novel and, uh, helpful also. Cause there was like zero transparency in the whole startup space before now, I think it's gone a little bit the other way of like, I don't know if it's super helpful. It's not novel either now. So like what type of transparency and what's the level and what is it useful for? Um, so I'm, I'm kind of thinking like, well, a little sneak peek here and there. I'm not giving the whole picture away of like uh, everything that I've ever done and all the numbers, but like a little bit, like a sneak peek is, is helpful. But also I was thinking, I was like, it's interesting. I feel like um, it's different between like SaaS and membership sites versus like content and courses. Because weirdly enough, I think they're like way more defensible maybe is the word like you, you couldn't just yep copy and paste my videos off of my course you know like no, no and also right. it's 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 because i'm doing it a piece of software unfortunately like, unless there's like some really nifty tech on the back end or if there's you have exclusive access to something or you know that kind of thing like it's a little bit less defensible and hence why it makes less reason to be transparent um anyways because i know we had You know started this conversation a while back trying to figure out how much we were going to share on the the podcast but uh you know one of the things we were talking about was like oh unfortunately with indie hackers i love the indie hackers community and the site and the podcast but like there's been a lot of like ripping off and copycats and i just saw Mm -hmm. someone the other day he created a, a pretty basic kind of app but it was you know, novel enough. And then he's been seeing copycasts left and right. Like this dude had like a hundred thousand subscribers on YouTube. And now he's showing people like how to build his whole like business idea, essentially it's like, wow, that's super lame. Um, but anyways, I just yeah. thought it was interesting how like the transparency differs between SAS and memberships versus like info products and courses and stuff like that.
1: Yeah. That's not something that, we'd really previously discussed but now that you're saying that uh it, it it isn't like you wouldn't necessarily expect that but courses are much harder to uh to duplicate or copy
0: right because it is your
1: own unique perspective your own lessons that you've learned and in, in your teaching style which will resonate with some people and others it may not but it's it's unique to you
0: mhm yeah. And we've talked about, um, you know, wanting to build like opinionated products, right? Not just like generic, do whatever, you know, kind of you can tailor how you want to, but like very like, no, this is how we do things and this is how it works. And it's very much like for content and for, for courses, like this is how I think about things. And this is my experience. This is my philosophy. And like, sure. Someone else could like rip that off and copy it, but it doesn't really have the same effect. Um, And also one of the other things is uh, I thought about, I was like, man, there's so many like sub stackers and, you know, people creating newsletters and talking about marketing. And I was like feeling kind of discouraged for a while. Like is swipe files content like better or worse than them. And like, do I see them as competitors? But then I was also thinking like, well, actually like content especially isn't like a zero sum game. Like there's a, you know, it's not like, I actually, it's interesting because I had a, the reason why I thought of this because a couple of people emailed me um, before enrollment closed for the courses and they were asking me how it compared to some other similar courses in the space. And I was like, those are also yeah. really great courses, but like, they're also very different and you should buy both. <laughs> like, I couldn't tell you, I, obviously I'm going to tell you as, as the biased, you know, creator to buy mine, I can tell you what's different, but also like they could buy both. Whereas maybe you know, you wouldn't buy two software to do the exact same thing. Uh, You wouldn't have, you know, two analytics tools or two scheduling softwares or two, uh, you know, software like hosts, you know, just, it doesn't make any sense. So anyways, um, that was kind of on my mind, but getting into swipe files, um, that's kind of most of what I did last week. Because um, last week I honestly didn't do very much. I had, uh, as you know, a corneal ulcer, which is when your eye decides that it hates you because you slept in your contacts and rebels.
1: <laughs> and
0: um, so I took a couple of days off and couldn't look at screens for very long. Um, so I really didn't do very much. Uh, but but there are, there are, there are a couple of updates, a couple of things I've been thinking about. One is I've been seeing a little bit more churn. Um, which we talked about before, but it continues to kind of be back to some of the monthly customers that I gave a free month to a few months back and a few of them have stuck stuck around for a few months. But now it's just basically like a decreasing amount of those people stick around every month, which is which is lame, obviously. Now, thankfully, I have like the majority of the people are on annual or lifetime, so I can stick them, you know, keep them around for a while. But it's been a bit discouraging and kind of lame to see, you know, check in every day and see like one less, you know, active customer or one more cancellation or expired trial. Um, So I've been thinking more and more very seriously about just moving everything to annual memberships, Um, just being like a more aligned incentives and engaged user base. And also for my own sanity, not having to worry about people canceling every month Um, especially when it's around content and it's not, you know, there is, there isn't like a, fun, a ton of functional use like there would be with a software product, for example. Um, and so part of that now is I'm kind of accelerating my plans a little bit to expand swipe files beyond just teardowns and to do other types of content like articles and guides, even introducing a community, uh, which again, I kind of mentioned before is I'm kind of seeding a little bit with some of the course customers. Um and the thought there being people always say, you know, people come for the content, but they stay for the community. And maybe that's like, maybe that is actually like the core kind of value for Files long run uh, in, in the long run. Um, the problem is that community is really hard, <laughs> and I know nothing about launching and running a community. So, if we're reading up a ton uh, a ton of Rosie Sherry's mm-hmm. stuff, um davis banks mm-hmm. um Jay klaus uh, there's some really neat software that's popped up as well like circle which i'm giving a run with them um but it, it's a little bit intimidating uh and it's it's very much um, uncharted territory for me so i've been procrastinating a little bit on it and now i'm i'm excited that this podcast will be part of that accountability but we'll see that basically the thought is let's let's slowly roll this thing out and launch a community focused on marketers just for Swipe Files users, hopefully who are all annual um, because they're all kind of bought into the concept.
1: So, yeah, I think that'll be a, or sorry, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was just saying, I think that'll be an interesting but fun challenge and, you know, I've seen a number of different communities popping up now. just being in the, in the no code space and the web flow space and, and following what Ben Tossel has been doing with MakerPad. And I don't think that a monthly subscription makes sense for, uh, course content or community or, uh, you know, like content that you're providing with swipe files and I'd actually, I've been talking to. Uh, Mackenzie Child, Mm. who launched a platform called Flamingo, which is uh, basically Webflow training and courses and a community. And, you know, we were talking a lot about the pricing, the pricing model, and uh, he ended up going with just a lifetime plan. Mm. And I think originally he was kind of deciding, like, do I do monthly? Do I do annual lifetime? Uh, And I told him, like, don't do monthly. (laughs) I've, I've seen, uh, a few times Ben has opened up monthly with MakerPad, and every single time he ends up killing it because, uh, yeah, it just results in, in high churn and people kind of like, you know, driving by the community, taking what they need and then leaving. Uh, so I think at the very least annual is more incentivizing for people to actually really join the community. Uh, really learn from other people, provide value to others. And, uh, yeah, so I, I think you're on the right path with going with just the annual, uh, and the lifetime. Mm
0: -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, originally I wanted to, the thought was like, oh, I'm going to provide monthly just so someone can try it for a month. And then if they liked it, then they would be like, oh, okay, I'm going to switch to annual now. So it'd basically be like a paid trial, uh, Mm -hmm. essentially. But that hasn't happened (laughs) so no one's treating it like that (laughs) and um yeah and yeah and also i i the way i structure so the pricing right now is 29 a month 99 a year or 2.99 lifetime so i was also thinking like oh maybe the the monthly could be like kind of a a decoy to make the annual plan look better that could be happening i'm just not sure i haven't talked to enough people um that could like confirm or deny that But my hunch is that that's also not happening, and that it just is kind of a a bad idea. (laughs) It's just an epic failure on my end to to think through that. So,
1: (laughs) well, I think until you try it, you never know how how customers and people are going to respond. Like you might think they're going to do this one thing, and then uh, turns out nobody does that. Right? (laughs) Yeah,
0: totally. I I think especially too now seeing. um, circle launch and seeing a lot of people talk about community. When I first launched the pricing, I had literally no idea, you know, how to price that and sort of what other people were doing. Now there's, I think it's a lot more examples to go off of. In fact, I think Ben was just posting the other day about a pricing experiment he did. And it was like three hours later, he ended up reverting and changing it. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, I was like, wow, I'm glad I have, you know, someone to learn things the hard way besides myself. I can glean even more. Um, so yeah, that, that's the main thing top of mind for me is launching this community hopefully in the month of September, um, beefing up the content and starting to introduce some new content. Um, but yeah, the, the main thing is like, how do I, yeah, how do I launch a community and what's the right way? And how do I seed people into it, get interest. Um, the good thing is, and this is kind of my plan all along was I already have a decent amount of customers or at least people I can reach out to and, um, people who might be interested in that, like some close, you know, marketing friends and folks. So I'm optimistic about it. It's just, I feel like it's one of those things where if you don't get it right when you launch, it can end up hurting you later. And so I'm kind of taking it very seriously. I'm proceeding with caution.
1: Hmm. In what way could you see it hurting?
0: I don't know. I just feel like if, if you launch a community and it doesn't gain, like initial traction, or if you don't have it like set up correctly, this is probably my own like limiting belief or kind of biased opinion. But like, I just feel like, uh, it could go wrong and that you just have, I don't know, everyone kind of dip out and no one finds the community valuable or engages. Uh, it, it feels a little bit like mysterious to me. Like, how do I get people to, to post or how do I get people to engage with each other? Um, So I, and I feel like the launch is a big part of that. Like once you get the ball rolling, then it rolls on its own community kind of, uh, gets like a kind of a life of its own, but initially you have to get the ball rolling and I'm just not sure exactly what that looks like.
1: Yeah. It's funny, many, uh, many years ago, I actually worked for this company that ran, uh, thousands of different online forum sites back when that was a thing. The OG communities. Uh, and I mean, just in yeah, in the like craziest, you know, little like niches that you would never even think of. Uh, you know, very like specific like car enthusiasts and uh you know, one for you know, basically all the things that are subreddits now, wow. uh, unfortunately for them. <laughs> but uh I I knew their community manager and uh you know, I don't. You may have already read read up on this, but one thing that they would do whenever they were launching a new site and a new forum was they basically seeded it with user accounts and posts, and they 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 were essentially like the community managers would have conversations with themselves mm-hmm. posing as users just to make it look like there's activity there. Yeah. Uh, and I believe actually, I think I heard once Cortland of Indie Hackers just say. He might have done something like that
0: yeah yeah i'm pretty sure he did i know part of me wonders like if i
1: and that can be a lot of work yeah
0: <laughs> i i do wonder like would i have to do that like i'm i'm kind of like crossing my fingers that i don't have to um mm-hmm. or maybe i can get kind folks like you to just like seed questions that i kind of plant uh in your brain of hey can you he ask yeah. this question or something but um yeah, totally. Yeah, that that is part of it. Like, I was I, th- I was setting up the the little like spaces for just the course customers, and then like viewing it as a user, and it's just like completely empty. And I was like, gosh, if I was looking at this, I wouldn't want to post anything. <laughs> so, yeah, figuring out like a couple of different prompts, or yeah, just I don't know, talking to myself. Maybe it, maybe that's like the thing you have to do, and I just have to suck it up and and do it.
1: Yeah. I, I do think that one thing that you really have going for you, and it's the same thing that that Corlin had with Indie Hackers, is the the content uh, that will eventually drive the community. So, hmm. like Indie Hackers, it was all about the podcast, and you know he was having people on who were revealing their numbers, and I think the the community developed from that, and it was probably much slower. But in the meantime, he kept doing more interviews and building up the podcast even further. So I think with swipe files, like you'll be able to follow that same path where, you know, you are continuing to put out more content in swipe files and over time, the community is only going to grow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think so. That, that is one of the good things is I can pump out new content and then release to the community and try to like, there's plenty of like prompts for conversation, I guess is one of the advantages. Yeah yeah that's very true cool well that's really all there is for me that was probably actually a lot i realize i've been talking for a while now but um
1: no that's good
0: that's what's been on my mind
1: awesome well i think we're right around the hour mark
0: i know it's really time has escaped us uh so (laughs) (laughs) we should probably wrap up um thanks everyone for listening uh we're gonna figure out probably some other things we can do to uh, make it a little bit more structured and/or provide more detail. Um, in the meantime, if you can subscribe and give us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, since this is a new podcast, that would be awesome. They'll go a long way for us. Um, and also, shout out to a couple of folks I mentioned earlier, but uh, Brian Castle and Jordan Gall at Bootstrap Web, another great bootstrappers podcast. Um, some guys, can, I mean, they've been doing it for a few years now. I've been listening to them for a long time. Um, so if you're looking for another podcast, uh, to listen to. They are definitely one of them, as well as uh, Michelle Hansen and Colleen at uh, Software Social. They just started as well. And um, so shout out to them. And if you're looking for anything else to listen to, they've got our endorse- endorsements.
1: Yeah, definitely check out Michelle and Colleen's podcast. It's so good. Yeah,
0: I been really enjoy it. All right, my friend. Yeah. Well, let's wrap it.
1: All righty. See you later. Till next time.